Uh, I think the first part of building those strong partnerships, though, is figuring out who has aligned goals um, and what can you bring to the table. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Strategy Show. I'm your host, Simon Severino. And today we have three times Latina entrepreneur, founder of Hello Alice, a free digital community supporting over 250,000 small business owners, connecting them to capital, networks, and tools. Hello, everybody. Caroline Rotz. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. So cool to have you here because you have a lot of very relevant, very timely advice for us. We will deep dive into how to leverage partnerships for growing our businesses, how at the beginning of a project to tackle both opportunities and risks, I'm so excited, and also how to build a network of champions around you and around your cause. So absolutely relevant. I will be taking notes for my own business here. So great to have you here, Caroline. What are you currently creating? We are creating a community of small business owners over at Hello Alice. Uh, we're building a, a free platform for every entrepreneur to connect to the resources that are relevant to them at every stage along their journey. Um, I've always found entrepreneurship to be such a confusing path, and it's really unique to every single business owner. And so our goal is to learn about the owner, um, to learn about their personal profile and their business profile, and to make sure that they have everything they need to execute um, no matter where they are in their own journey. I absolutely resonate with a confusing path. It's so confusing. If, if I had just at the beginning of my first business, if I would have that map, that would have changed everything. So it is confusing. It stays confusing. Uh, but there are some frameworks and some bulletproof uh, let's say topographies that one can create. So it's it's so relevant uh, in that journey to stay, to stay clear and on track. So let's go directly in there. How can we leverage partnerships for growth? We started Hello Alice based on really strong partnerships, always looking for who can help us achieve the next thing for our business. Um, and it's something that we promote to our whole community to make sure who are the people that have the audiences that you're looking for, that have the funding that you need, that have aligned goals. Uh, how do you go find those people? Um, our very first partner when we started Hello Alice was Dell, uh, Dell Technologies. They were also looking to support entrepreneurs and to support business owners. And so we talked to them and really just collaborated around building a program together that would solve for their problems and needs, that would also solve for our problems and needs. Um, and it allowed them to give us funding to help go build our first iteration of Hello Alice um, over three years ago. Dell's remained a great partner of ours throughout, but it's certainly evolved and changed in terms of the way that we work together. Uh, I think the first part of building those strong partnerships though is figuring out who has aligned goals um, and what can you bring to the table. And I think if there's value that you can provide, it opens up the door for conversation. Um, and then it's finding the right advocates internally at the organization, especially when you're working with large organizations um, like big corporations or governments, you have to find those big advocates that are gonna help you navigate internally to get to the right people, to find the resources that you need. 
um, to help bring that partnership forward. And then certainly I'd say lastly, I guess the last piece of that is making sure that you keep that partner excited and engaged about what you're building. And a lot of our partnerships, whether it's with MasterCard or with Salesforce or with Pepsi, have evolved over many, many years. Um, and those relationships often started long before our company started. But we've, we've really kept the lines of communication open, keeping them excited about what we're building, letting them know how what they supported us with has supported hundreds of thousands of small business owners, uh, and continuing to send them information just about the broader mission and about the difference and impact that they're having. You have such powerful partners. And now, right now, everybody listening, oh, I also want to have such powerful partners. But let's go back to the beginning. How, how did you get the first one? How, did you create a list of your favorite 100? Did you just create a pitch deck? How did you get the first partner? We've always focused on very, very small lists. Um, so usually two or three partners that we want to go deep with. And especially at the beginning, we looked at where do we have existing relationships? Where do we have some connection? Uh, my business partner, Elizabeth, was actually the entrepreneur in residence at Dell uh, and working alongside Michael Dell. So that was certainly a high level connection that we were able to form. Um, so she helped navigate, and this was even before, frankly, she had joined the company. Uh, she heard about what I was doing. She was the one that brought me into the company and introduced me. And she was my advocate internally over at Dell and helped me navigate the organization. She helped connect me to the right people and, and helped kind of guide me through that process. Um, ultimately, she got so excited about what we were building that she jumped on into Hello Alice full time um, and now has been my partner ever since those early days. Uh, but I think that's a really unique experience. I'd say if there isn't an existing relationship, the best way is to start by building those relationships. So just contribute and don't look for anything in return. Just give and give and give. Build strong relationships at a company, show up to their events, advocate for what they're doing, give advice on how they might be able to do what they're doing better. And then, and then you can start to plug in and kind of start to sell what you can bring to the table. But I think first it starts with a very strong personal foundation, like any partnership, right? Whether this with trying to get investors on board or trying to get corporate partners or trying to get really strong customer partners, whoever that is, whoever those big stakeholders are that you're trying to bring in, start with a strong personal relationship. Absolutely. Your second CEO tip is how to tackle at the beginning of a project, both the opportunity side and the risk side. Yeah, this I think is one of the most important things that a CEO can do. I mean, you think about your role as the founder of a business, it's so easy to get swept up in the excitement of what you're building and to think about all the ways that it can be positive and it can work and everything's gonna go smoothly. Uh, as you know, Simone, and as I know, having run companies, things never go as smoothly as you hope, and there are always stumbles and obstacles in your way. Uh, and I think the faster that you can start to address those as the owner, and you take a step back and you say, all right, what is everything that can go wrong with this idea? How can I start to look for holes and poke holes into my idea? Uh, that is where I think you really add value because it makes you start to think creatively about how you tackle the problem in the first place or how you tackle the solution. Um, and so when we are looking at any opportunity, we start first by saying, all right, this is the big opportunity. And we feel like if this goes well, this could be huge. This is going to make a big impact. It's going to be meaningful to our customers. It's going to be meaningful to our partners. Um, and then we start to look at, okay, what are what's every way that this can go wrong? And we map all of those things out. So we have sticky notes everywhere. We brainstorm. We put all of those ideas out on the table. 
And then we start to look at how do we mitigate those risks? So one by one, how do we go through that list of things that can go wrong? How do we look for ways around it? How do we start to test them? How do we talk to our customers about them? Um, and then we then we really build a much stronger solution than we would have if we had just assumed that everything was going to go right. Um, inevitably, there are obstacles that we never anticipated that are going to pop up along the way, but at least we've addressed some of the really big ones and the obvious ones before we start to invest a lot of money and a lot of time into uh, into a solution that we're trying to create. I love it because just looking at the opportunity, you you don't get the picture of the whole thing. That's just one part. So yeah, naturally, as, as entrepreneurs, we're very optimistic, right? We think if we didn't think it was possible, we would never tackle it in the first place. Um, but you have to force yourself into into thinking through again the downside of it. And I think the more you are realistic about that, the stronger um, the business you're going to create. Absolutely, and. Uh... We in the Sprint team, we even have, we are very pessimistic in terms of whenever somebody has an idea, I say, okay, yeah, go for it. Show me the numbers. Yeah. So what we do is micro testing. And so you have to validate, you have to show to the others in the team in three hours, in six hours, in max two days, you have to show that there is meat uh, behind it. And But it can be really just a, a, a one page, something that you test but you have to show that there is meat under that assumption. And then you will get all the budget, all the people, whatever you want. But first you have to show the numbers. So absolutely, yes. Opportunity always goes in with validation. Validation yeah. risk. That's why it's so important, I think, to talk about your ideas. I, I hear so many entrepreneurs saying, I'm not ready to talk about it or I'm not ready to share it out loud. Um, but if you're not willing to share it, you're never going to hear what the risks are. You're never going to hear people. You open it up so people do poke holes in it and they tell you everything that's terrible about your idea because it's only going to make you think more creatively and, and stronger. So I, I love that that exercise that you do. I think that's so important. You have even one more advice for us. Build a network of champions. This is so important around your cause. But before we go there, we go through our segment of the show that we call a strategy award. If you could pick only one person that when everybody's zigging, this person is zagging, but from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who is this person? I would give mine to Whitney Wolfherd of Bumble. Uh, I think Bumble is a dating app that I think just runs their company so creatively and has since the start. Uh, they put women in the driver's seat where women have to make the first move when it comes to dating. Um, they really took it in a very different direction from what every other dating app was doing at the time, but they've continued to just have a strong voice to stand up for, for their core values and for what they believe in. Um, they've taken out you know, page ads in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal on, on issues that they feel are really important and, and um, of value to their, their audience. And I also love that they'll call out people on their own app. If somebody's treating someone disrespectfully or someone has put something out that's not in line with their core values, uh, they call them out, but in really clever and really smart ways. And so I think they use humor a lot in strong ways, um, but everything really comes back to their values. And I think it makes them build a company where their customers so strongly believe in what they're doing. They have incredible advocates um, and just in great people, I think, that believe in, in what they're doing. And they've never wavered from that, even when the public was challenging it or 
when things might have kind of gone in a different direction, they've always stood strong, even when it might be hard or it might be controversial. Um, they haven't been afraid to, to stand up for what they believe in. And I think at the end of the day, that's what builds um, really, really strong and loyal customers. Oh, this is so important. How to call out people with humor, with elegance, with grace uh, in this funky year we, we live through. This is so important. Yeah, they keep it light and fun. And I, I think it's not, you know, it's never in a, a mean or vindictive way. It's just, you know, this is what we believe is right. And this is the way we believe the world should be. Um, and they aren't afraid to speak out for it. Love it. You want to make your sales more repeatable and reliable? Do you want to have less volatility and more growth in your revenue per month? At Strategy Sprints, we do only one thing, strategy and sprints. Strategy means having more revenue through a better offer. And sprints means having more energy in your team every week. Check out if your ROI is as high as it is for most service-based and online businesses and startups we work with, which is over 100%. You can see it in just 15 minutes by going to strategysprints.com sales and completing our online exercise to know what your ROI would be with our accelerator program. We are ready to sprint. Are you? And um, what is maybe one book that inspired you professionally? Well, I have so many books that inspire me professionally. Uh, I love The Power of Moments uh, by Chip and Dan Heath. I think it really got me thinking about every experience that happens that we are touching um, our business owners with, whether it's through the product or whether it's offline. I think creating those experiences that are memorable and meaningful, um, it, it helps you, again, just think about the, the whole context of the experience and the way that, the words that you use, the visuals that you use, um, the context within which you're operating. Um, that book just really broke down what is forgettable and what is meaningful and memorable and, and what are the differences between the two. So it's something I think about often as we're creating any new feature or um, even writing an email or something as simple as a social media post. It's how do you make that moment meaningful? Um, and how do you make that, you know, really something that is going to engage and, and draw in uh, your audience? I love it that you picked this book and even that you say on the email level, because this is something that so many people are not aware of. Every email, you could go right now through every thank you email, automated response email to a subscription, etc. Go through that and look at with that lens, maybe inspired by that book. What is the experience you are creating? How can you change one word, but it makes it more you and it makes it more like a real relationship? And be because at the end, it's not the features, it's not the data, it's not more information. It's all about transformation, small moments that transform that moment in a small way, but they accumulate because people have experiences with you over weeks. So it's all about the design of experiences, really. Yeah, I think it's so important what you said about the, the power of one word, even changing one word. And that's something we've seen, um, you know, changing a button on our, on our site or changing a word in an email. I mean, we've gotten called out for it before, in all honesty. We've had people respond and say, look, this, this word kind of rubbed me the wrong way, or I didn't really, this didn't work. I mean, we're very responsive to that. And so if, if we mess up, which we inevitably do, and we will in the future, I'm sure, just 
owning it and saying, look, I get like, thank you for that. And in taking that and really being thoughtful about the words that you choose. Um, and it's, again, it's, you're never going to please everybody, but I think when there's something that, that isn't communicating what you're trying to communicate, it's really important to be thoughtful um, about how you're writing things, how you're, uh, how you're communicating in general. Absolutely. Uh, somebody wrote to me, so I, I subscribed to their, to something, and then I be, I, I, I needed to double opt in. And I got a message who said, yeah, I know uh, an email about confirming your subscription. I know that's boring, but I need to do it right now. They immediately won me as a fan. It's just such a small thing, but now I feel them. I resonate. We have a relationship. We have an, a moment together. And, uh, and uh, I like them more. So I'm, I'm excited about the next email. And, and this is such a small thing to do. Beautiful. And how can we build a network of champions for our cause? This is, I think, actually one of the easiest things that any owner can do. It doesn't cost any money. Uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't, frankly, take a lot of time. In some ways, I think it takes less time because at the end of the day, it's just being human. Uh, we always, we don't ever call the, the people on our platform users like a lot of technologies do. We always refer to them as owners so that our team never forgets that there are real people on the other side of the computer. They're not a user ID, they aren't an email address, it's an actual human who's pouring everything into building a small business. And it's our job to make that experience as easy and seamless and successful as possible. And I think the more that we remember as companies, that we aren't brands, we aren't supporting user journeys, we're actually people supporting people, and technology is a tool to help us do that, certainly. Um, but a technology is not uh, the actual kind of point of engagement. I think that is where it becomes so important that we can actually create real human relationships. And that seems hard when you're supporting hundreds of thousands of people on the other side. But the reality is, if you start to think about you know, how those experiences are unique and what's really meaningful to those experiences, you can start to engage in human ways. I think the, the email that you just mentioned is a great example of that, right? It's, it's what are you actually feeling on the other side of that computer and how can I address that? And how can I communicate that in a meaningful way? Um, the other thing is understanding the, the emotional journey of the people that you're supporting. Uh, there are highs in the experience and there are lows in the experience. And that's in every um, transaction and every business. Um, you know, when you're paying money, it's probably not the high point for the person on the other end. It's that sort of point of decision that they're having to go back and forth. So make it fun and make it meaningful um, and make it really feel like, you know, the experience that you want. Is it, are they feeling, should they feel excitement? Should they feel, you know, fear? How can you identify with what emotions they might be having? And then give them ways to celebrate their experience with your company. Um, there are, when they're having a win, Celebrate that with them and give them ways to promote themselves and give them ways to feel good um, and be in that journey with them. Don't just let them experience it on their own. And the more that you can start to build those emotional bridges with your audience, the more loyal uh, of a customer you're going to have and the greater advocate you're going to have. There's so much competition in this world today that if we can't stand out and create a phenomenal experience, somebody else is going to swoop in and take that customer away. We have limited time, we have limited money to spend. Um, and so you have to make sure that you're creating the very best experience and the most personal experience that you possibly can so that you can retain uh, that customer. This is so cool that you don't say uh, users, 
and you say owner. Last week we had a meeting. We were going through our own uh, marketing processes. So what some people call the funnel. So we had this title, the funnel. And I, was, I don't like this word because the funnel it, it is so technical, me mechanical. You put objects into it and then you press and then down there comes something. <laughs> uh, that's not how relations go, right? And so I changed the word from funnel and we called it festival. Oh, because I love that. <laughs> it's much more of people coming together. There is an atmosphere. There is an energy. There is something. There is a why you come together. And this is a, a, a positive, vibrating uh, spirit that is there. Like you, you smell that in the kitchen there is something cooking. You go there and you want to know what is it. And, and so, and when you come near, then you smell it, you see it, you, you, and then you start tasting it. So this is much more of what I wanted to describe there. Where, how do you see our world, smell our world, then enter our world, and what do you experience then? And then comes the single first sprinters, and they have all different superpowers. And, 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 and you feel what they can do with your business, and the one is good in sales, and the other is good with numbers. And that's how you... It, it starts becoming a festival of different uh, Avengers with their superpowers. It's more like, uh, yeah, bands uh, coming together with different um, uh, moments, moments that they create. That is such an awesome way to look at it. I think the energy, the more that you can spread the energy, I think is, and especially as, as owners, we have we had so much passion about this idea and it's why we built these companies in the first place. And the more that you can spread that passion and energy to everybody around you, whether again, whether it's partners, whether it's customers, whether it's your employees, that's the biggest job that we have. Because if you're building excitement, people are gonna come. We were human at the end of the day and we wanna be where the energy is. So I love that idea of the festival. I think that's so cool. So uh, what did you recently change your mind about? Oh my gosh, in this day and age, I think I've changed my mind about so many things. Uh, I am homeschooling my children right now. So I've had a lot of just changes about the way I even look at education and the way I look at uh, parenting and uh, the way I look at work styles. Uh, I've really changed my mind, I think, about the the way in which we, we can be doing business. I, I look at how before I was spending my time on airplanes and going from city to city and just being everywhere um, and the amount of energy I was spending, I think trying to be in all places at once, um, I didn't realize how much value there is in white space and in just slowing down. And so I've I've carved out a lot more time just for me um, and, and you know resulting from the pandemic, but I think I just saw the, the great business value that it brings to my company um, and how much more efficient and effective I am at doing everything, whether that's being a parent or whether that's being a friend or whether that's being you know, a founder, it's given me a lot more clarity to just, again, operate and really be present in what I'm doing. And so I think regardless of, of you know, when things get back to sort of the, the new normal, uh, my intention is certainly to, to keep a slower pace um, so that I can be a lot more thoughtful about the things that I'm doing. And, and again, I don't think I realized how much it was impacting me taking red eyes in the middle of the night to get home to be you know, there before my kids left for school um, or traveling you know weeks in a row um, or working over the weekends like I, I didn't realize the impact it was having and when i was sort of forced to step back from it all 
the, the amount of just energy that came pouring out was incredible. Um, so that's been probably my biggest change as of late. This is this is so powerful when I think that so we went from from traveling um, every day in another city to to being grounded and I always had this feeling that something is broken but everybody around us was like hey you should be thankful this is this is a sign of high status and a sign that somebody really has impact when you come and do your work. So it's it's the best feedback you can have. And and I was like, mm, I don't feel it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then we were all grounded. And now we see it clearly, right? We And, and now whenever I'm asked, hey, do you come uh, to my country and have a, a keynote? I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> why not? Yeah, because we have so much better ways now to do this. Yeah. And I want to talk in the morning with Australia, e e during the day with Europe, and uh, in the evening uh, with Silicon Valley. I don't want to be one day stuck in one place. We don't need to anymore. And I can do it from home. I will play with my kids during the day. I will go running during the day. And I will have great moments with my friends and with my wife during the day. That's a good day. Yeah, I think the, the acknowledgement that we all have lives outside too. It's been great seeing, and I, th I think this was actually probably especially difficult um, for men. I think women have always been a little bit more forthcoming about the juggle between being a parent and working. And it was sort of a, a little bit more accepted, but it's been so cool for me seeing men with kids climbing on them or around. And I think that's where we're going to start to see a real societal shift um, because we're all dealing with it. It isn't a women's issue. It is a parent's issue that we have children at home. Um, or we all have, you know, there's elderly that people are taking care of or pets that people have to care for, whatever it might be. But we all have lives that are outside of work and we're seeing it. We're seeing, you know, where people live and what their homes look like and uh, just so many pieces of them, I think, that are are really breaking down a lot of those barriers and a lot of that facade that existed when we would all show up to the office. Absolutely. Who should be my next guest? Oh, I've so many people. Um, this was a really hard one for me to think about because I have so many people I wanted to mention. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work with the Latino community. And this is something I think someone who's really stood out to me is Claudia Romo Edelman, uh, who's leading Hispanic Star, um, a big initiative to just build more collaboration across the Hispanic community, um, to create a real emblem and source of pride to lift up the community. And I think she's doing it in really creative ways. Um, but also comes from a, a great uh, sort of global philanthropic perspective and a great marketing background and just has an energy and an excitement about the future of what is the fastest growing uh, segment of the population in the United States and, um, and worldwide just making a massive impact. And so I think she would be an incredible guest for you. Um, she has a ton of energy, a ton of passion and, and is a, a really fun person to talk to. Super cool. And uh, where can people stick around and stay in touch with you? I am very active in the Hello Alice community. As I mentioned, Hello Alice is a free platform for all small business owners. So head over to helloalice.com. You can jump into the community. I'm there every day. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Carolyn Rods. And uh, that's where I'm most active in terms of responding. 
Um, you can email me at carolyn at helloalice.com, although I will say my email gets very backed up, and so it's probably not the best way. Uh, I'm more likely to respond on Twitter or in the Hello Alice community. Super cool. Is there anything I forgot to ask you? Um, you know, I think that the biggest thing for us is we're always looking for ideas, or I'm personally always looking for ideas on how to better support small business owners. And so um, as anybody watching this has ideas about ways that we could be helpful and ways that we could really leverage technology to help bridge a lot of the equity gaps that exist, um, that's something that's really important to me. And uh, I'm excited about what we're building going forward. We're really focused on getting more dollars into the hands of business owners. Um, and then we're also issuing grants for small business owners right now. So we'll issue over the course of the next 12 months, over $20 million in grant funding to small business owners. Um, so go over again over at helloalice.com. Uh, you can get more information on that, sign up for those grants and uh, help get some dollars into the hands of business owners. Because I think it's the greatest um, way to offer um, just to empower, I think, all individuals for, for a more equitable future. Absolutely. Where do we post our ideas? If we have now ideas, do we go to, to the community, helloalice.com, then the community and post there? Yeah, you can post over in the community, again, on, on Twitter or email me. Um, I'd love to hear your ideas. So cool. Thank you so much, Caroline, for sharing all your knowledge and your journey with us. Please come back soon. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great fun. Bye-bye. Bye. We all know that working in sprints is better, but how do we know what we should work on? You're in luck because we have a 15-minute exercise that will give you complete clarity on where to take your project next. Go to strategysprints.com sales to complete our short exercise and meet one-on-one -on -one with an expert sprint coach to identify your number one bottleneck. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Strategy Show. Make sure to like this video below and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with every episode of The Strategy Show. Get daily CEO tips from CEOs for CEOs.